The Italian Wine Podcast is introducing a new donation drive this month. It's called Why Am I a Fan? We are encouraging anyone who tunes in on a regular basis to send us your 10-second video on why you are a fan of our podcast network or a specific show. We will then share your thoughts with the world with the goal of garnering support for our donation drive. Italian Wine Podcast is a publicly funded, sponsor-driven enterprise that needs you in order to continue to receive awesome free wine edutainment seven days a week. We are asking our listeners to donate to the Italian Wine Podcast by clicking either the GoFundMe link or the Patreon link found on italianwinepodcast.com. Remember, if you sign up as a monthly donor on our Patreon, we will send you a free IWP t-shirt and a copy of the Wine Democracy book, the newest Mama Jumbo Shrimp publication. Italian Wine Podcast, a Wine to Wine Business Forum 2021 media partner, is proud to present a series of sessions highlighting the key themes and ideas from the two-day event held on October the 18th and 19th. 2021. This hybrid edition of the Business Forum was jam-packed with the most informed speakers discussing some of the hottest topics in the wine industry today. For more information, please visit winetowine.net and tune in every Thursday at 2 p.m. Central European Time for more episodes recorded during this latest edition of Wine to Wine Business Forum. Okay. Good afternoon to the audience. You are taking part to an educational session of the Wine to Wine Business Forum, which is called Master Wine versus Master Sommelier, the Constructed the Needs. I'm Pietro Russo, winemaker at Dona Fugata in Sicily and such to student at the Master of Wine program. And I'm very pleased to guide this conversation today with two incredible guests. Two women that own the most prestigious and ambitious credential in the wine business. They both come from Germany. We have Karo Maurer, Master of Wine, and Elga Luis Schroeder, Master Sommelier. I will first uh, start by introducing my guests. And honestly, I am pretty impressed by their CV. Uh, so the first guest is uh, Karo Maurer. She is the first female German Master of Wine. Uh, she became uh, Master of Wine in 2011. Caro is a wine writer and educator. She hosts seminar and testing as speaker for important wine association. She is involved in the education program of the Master Wine Institute, and not least, she consults for the biggest German supermarket chain. So hi, Caro, and thank you for being here. Hi, Pietro. I'm actually happy to be here and happy to see you once again. I haven't seen you for such a long time, one and a half years at least. So yeah, um, my pleasure. wonderful to be here. <laughs> Great. And the second guest is Elga Louise Schroeder, the first female German Master Sommelier since 2019. Elga has a wide professional experience across different segments of the wine industry. As a sommelier and director of Starred Restaurants, she is involved in the education and coaching for wine professionals. She also a wine judge and she's involved in the trade of fine wine. So hello Elga and thank you for joining us today in this uh, nice uh, discussion. Hello, Pietro. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me and hi, Caro, as well again. And yeah, I'm really looking forward for a nice and interesting discussion. So before to start, I want to set the stage for the discussion. Uh, this session will deepen inside the world, uh, as you have un already understood, 
of master of wine and master sommelier and that's the final goal to uh, explain the main differences among these titles but also try to deepen inside the possibilities for the audience to enter this program and uh, uh, another important thing the, to uh, check for the challenges and reward offered to those who want to submit uh, the most difficult credential of the wine industry so i wanted to start with caro so let's begin this intriguing discussion uh, caro so can you please tell us uh, something about the master of wine certification uh, say its history and background and why for you it is considered together with the master sommelier the most respected credential in the wine industry let me just start with uh, explaining our audience that it's, uh, well, I'm already a master of wine, but Pietro, who is moderating the session, is actually hopefully going to be a master of wine next year, which he actually has all the ambition and has the, the competence. So uh, he knows what this is about. It's actually, if you are, let's say, if you are um, working as a winemaker in Italy, or if you want to work with wine in Italy or in Germany or in Australia, you rather study how to make a wine or how to be a viticulturist. But uh, this program, the Master of Wine title, started in England in 1953. And this in these days was not necessarily the land of wine growing and winemaking, but it was the, the land of wine buying. That's why they had to educate their buyers and the, the people selling wine rather than the winemakers. And they developed a program, a very rigorous one, which, is, which gives you the background knowledge, everything which is in the vineyard, in the cellar and on selling wine. And the result actually is being able to judge a wine by its quality, by its origin, by its grape variety. But the main thing is, getting the quality right, setting the quality, setting a price for that quality. And this is actually what it is about. We learn, as uh, Pietro knows, we learn uh, uh, in theory, viticulture. We know about enology. We know about other things, wine business. But uh, the main part of uh, our program is also the tasting. And there are three tasting exams. If you want to ever pass, it's a white wine paper. Uh, 12 white wines blind, um, 12 red wines blind. And the third uh, exam is, it's a kind of a mixture of wines, can be sparkling, can be rosé, can be also fortified or white and red. And let me just tell you, Pietro has already passed it. And um, then you write a research paper at the end or a tiny dissertation on a self-chosen topic. And hopefully you will be a master of wine after three to four to five years. Yeah, the dissertation that today is the research paper, so it's quite a long journey, <laughs> I, can, uh, I can tell you. <laughs> and uh, Elga, um, so I don't know, first of all, Caro, sorry, um, why do you think that uh, this can be the, this is the most uh, uh, important credential? Uh, why this uh, ambition and this uh, uh, aura or prestige uh, for, for these two letters? Um, the Institute of Masters of Wine in London is a non-profit private organization. So uh, the Institute can set its own levels um, of competence, what they expect from their members. And I 
think that we have the highest levels of competence and it is it's expected to pass these three exams which are really rigorous and difficult and uh, there is nothing comparable there's nothing comparable in in the broadness and the uh, in the width of knowledge and um who passes this and there are only 420 uh, masters of wine in the world who passes this really has proved that um, he, she understands wine and understands wine from the grape to, to the bottle. And um, this makes it probably the most prestigious title in the world. Right, very interesting. But never um, ask me whether I can make wine. I probably can get <laughs> the must to ferment, but I assume that you don't want to drink what I would produce, Peter. <laughs> but I can tell you, it's easier to make wine than become an NW. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Elga, um, I perceived uh, well since uh, quite a lot uh, since I'm in the. I mean the program. I perceive a lot of misunderstanding inside the wine industry regarding uh, the MW and the Master Somme, Master Sommelier title. So, can you explain the most important peculiarities of the Master Master Sommelier title, and if you can tell us also the main differences uh, compared to the Master of Wine certification? Yes, certainly. So, um, so the Master Sommelier title. And the MW, I think it's uh, really concerning the knowledge. It's really on the same high level because we both aim for the highest education, the highest level, the highest proficiency. Uh, but our approach is a little bit different. So um, the Master Sommelier uh, was uh, established in uh, 1969, also in London, because at this time, of course, it was, uh, yeah, and it still is one of these countries where uh, many wines were imported, and but also where the hospitality had a really high, high standard and, and still has. So um, the, the title or the MS program, it was basically established to encourage the highest quality for the beverage service in hospitality. So this is our main goal. And um, yeah, certainly we also do have to learn about uh, viticulture, about uh, winemaking, about different grapes, the geology, uh, climate as well, and all those factors that are um, yeah later on reflected in the wine itself. But it also is spread in a very very uh, vast field as well. So it's basically everything about all the beverages apart from milk, because milk is more or less like a nourishment. Um, yeah, but of course we need to know, um, starting from the aperitif, uh, over beer, over sake, over wine, sparkling wine, um, to tea, to cigars. So this is our vast field. And then of course, it is all set in the environment uh, of hospitality. So, um, I think one of the main issues is maybe um, so. So to become a, a master sommelier, you need uh, to follow a four-step program. It starts with the introductory uh, sommelier, which is like a really like the basic introductory, where you uh, get the basic knowledge of the wine countries. 
of about the regions, about the grapes, etc. And then it's followed by a theory exam. Then you have the certified sommelier, which is one step further. There you already have included a practical exam, which includes, for instance, uh, the task like you find them in the, in the restaurant, like decanting or sparkling wine service, something like this. And uh, then you have uh, the next step, which is a huge step forward already, uh, is the advanced sommelier. So where you already have the three parts that you will later have in the master sommelier exams as well. So this will be a theory part uh, where you have all. So it starts already here with uh, that you need to know like the average yield or the lowest yield allowed in a, in a different country. So it's about the wine laws as well. Uh, you go deeper into the topics with uh, the, the single vineyard sites, etc., the, the producers. And yeah, this is the one part. The practical is really like the scenarios uh, from all over, um, from the restaurant business or from the beverage business, uh, which includes calculations, uh, service as well of uh, sparkling wines, decanting, um, set up uh, educational purposes um, or um, yeah things like this. You need to pass this with 60%. And then the last step is then the MS, where you really have to pass. So it still goes deeper into the knowledge. Um, and you need to pass it with 75%, which is quite tough. Um, so yeah, but basically I would say it's more, uh, the approach is more coming from the hospitality uh, point of view. Okay, I, I can see some relief in your face uh, after all this, uh, this stuff to prepare. So congratulations to you both. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, from what I understood, so it's uh, something complementary, right? Because it's hospitality and the wine industry uh, per se. So uh maybe somebody who, who became an NW or a master sommelier can decide to continue studying and uh, approaching the other two letters more. Uh, I think there are two persons today that own the double the both titles in the world. More. More. I think oh. I think there are um, almost 10 people who are doubles, yeah. but to give uh, to tell the truth, I would never ever be able to make DMS because the practical exam, as Hegel just said, you know, the service. I'm not good in food and wine pairing. Actually, I don't care very much, and I'm not very good in, in serving and in opening champagne. You can be sure that it's always bubbling out. <laughs> so uh, I would rather say that uh, Helga can do the MW and can add the MW than me the MS. Okay. So, Caro, um, which are the prerequisites uh, to become an NW? And also, if you want to tell us uh, your personal experience and path for uh, when you have achieved uh, this this, uh, this title, the prerequisites are pretty easy. Um, first, you have to be part of the wine community or part of the wine trade, wine trade or wine business in a very broad sense. You have to work in the wine business for three years, so you have to have a professional background. And we expect you actually um, to bring in. Um, a title like the WSET Diploma, for example, or like an MS, like uh, Helga is, or an academical title in on a master level, like Master in Enology, Master in Viticulture. 
And with these prerequisites, you already know about wine because the, the MW program does not tell you the basics. They don't tell you which grape varieties are grown were in which parts of the world, world. You have to know this. You have to know how they are made. You have to know how a Tokai is made, how a Madeira is made. You have to know where Sauvignon Blanc is growing all over the world. So we don't give basics. We only give the highest level then to um, actually to understand the wines, to analyze the wines, and to communicate about your knowledge and your relation to the wine. Uh, these are the prerequisites. Um, it is difficult. You asked me about uh, the experience, Pietro, and you probably can agree. It, it's probably it was the most difficult um, time in my life because you are so focused on learning, on studying, on getting all the knowledge and the experience in absorbing all that. And this was all done next to my work. And we, the MWs, it's, um, uh, have been working next to it. There are only a few lucky people who might not be working and only studying. But it's all next to the work. And um, the challenge was to split my real life um, and to find the, the place, the time, um, to study for the MW and uh, the other thing is you meet people you are studying with the best in the world and suddenly you're not you know meeting somebody who's doing this for fun like the WSET diploma for example you're studying with the best winemakers with the best viticulturists with the mm -hmm. best wine buyers and sellers and suddenly you are in a different world already during the study program it was a challenge um, it was really a serious thing to do, and uh, I'm very happy that I made it. Uh, it's a lot of uh, my colleagues, they compared with climbing the Mount Everest. You're suffering, but when you reach the top, then it's the best view mm -hmm. of the world, and that's simply it. Thank you, Carl. Uh, well, Elga, when have you decided to enter the Master Sommelier program? And uh, can you tell us some anecdotes on your journey to to the Master Sommelier? Yeah, so for me, I decided, I think, quite late in my career to go for the MS diploma um, because basically it was all settled. So I had a good job, I had a good payment, I had fantastic working times every day, a glass of champagne and good food at my work, uh, but it was all a little bit feeling too comfy. And so I was in the, in the end of my 30s, and um, I have many, many colleagues who say, oh, gosh, at this age, how do you dare? It's crazy. You, you have everything settled. But basically, I, uh, yeah, I really wanted the challenge for myself. I wanted to improve myself, to, to keep my boring as well. And so I said, okay, if I do it, I will do it with the very best level I can achieve. So for me, it was very clear. I had to go for the MS. So, and uh, I think I am still today, I am really, really happy I made this decision uh, because, like Caro said, it is, uh, it is a challenge. You need to suffer. You really need to commit yourself uh, because it's, I think there it is quite similar because it's with both uh, educational forms, it's this unbelievable high standard. So, for instance, my husband, he needed to be happy 
for three days holiday at the Lake Constance because I was traveling all around the world and visiting vineyards. And I said, I don't have time. I need to go to California, to South Africa. I need to meet the winemakers. Uh, I need to see the countryside. I wanted to see the, um, yeah, the, the single vineyards and to get all into, into it, into my brain, because I am a person, um, I, I know how to study from books, but for me, it doesn't, it does not feel complete if I didn't see the spot itself. So I was traveling a lot. And, um, yeah, I think the, the, the dedication and commitment is really the one crucial point. So for me, basically, uh, I realized as well that it's uh, a lot about uh, mental strength. So I said, I always wanted to do a marathon. So I said, okay, let's do it both because for both the stuff, you know, for the MS, for the marathon, you need a little bit of, uh, yeah, stamina of mental strength. And so I did it both, you know, and within six months, I was, re I was ready to do my first marathon. And after a couple of years longer, I did my MS. Wow. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I, I think it's really, you need, um, the thing is, it's, it's very true what Caro said that you meet, um, many fantastic people on a high level where you can, um, learn so many things from those guys internationally so you broaden your view you broaden your experience but i think one of the uh, really important things is well uh that you that you learn a lot about yourself and uh you learn a lot about you you know everybody knows his sweet spots everybody knows where he's he or she is a little bit lazy and it is uh, really a journey to yourself as well because you need to tackle those sweet spots because otherwise they will uh, they will break you in your way to become a MW or, or a MS, I think. It's like a therapy, so... <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, you really need to face many things that you maybe in the regular life you don't want to face mm -hmm. or you just ignore. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really... Um, yeah, I think it's... So this was my experience. You really needed to be truthful to yourself and very strict. And uh, yeah... I think that's the that's the point that helped me a lot. And yeah, I think okay. one one thing is you have to develop self confidence. You have to mm -hmm. you have to learn to believe in yourself. And the funny thing is, I realized that the most people don't believe in themselves. Yeah. And I think you can only pass if you trust yourself, if you believe in yourself. So uh, somehow you're absolutely right, Pietro. It's a kind of a therapy. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, I can tell, I can tell you because I'm experiencing this, and uh, also you need uh, uh, you need uh, some supporting family or friends uh, to get the video. Otherwise, it will be very difficult. Are you enjoying this podcast? There is so much more high-quality wine content available from Mama Jumbo Shrimp. Check out our new wine study maps, our books on Italian wine, including Italian Wine Unplugged, The Jumbo Shrimp Guide to Italian Wine, Sangiovese Lambrusco and other stories, and much, much more on our website, mamajumboshrimp.com. Now back to the show. So, and uh, Elga, just to finish this part, who can access the program? Uh, which are the prerequisites? Mm -hmm. So, um, of course, it helps a lot when you work in the industry. 
So I highly recommend that you have a background coming from hospitality. Might it be hotel business or, or restaurant business? You really should know already um, something about wine because it's you really need to study by yourself. You need to collect the, all the information by yourself. So, um, so, but yeah, basically everybody from the from the hospitality business can uh, can do it, and. Um, Yeah, but but I at least recommend that you have uh, maybe done something like the WSET or maybe in your own country, like something like the sommelier of the Chamber of, of Commerce, for instance, and, and trade, something like this. So you get the basic knowledge uh, because then you really have the basics and you can build up on this. Okay. And because I think it's it's important to come from hospitality, since Caro mentioned earlier, uh, it's also a lot about the deportation, of, for instance, in the practical service. So you need to be sure about to uh, open a bottle of champagne. You need to be sure when or why to decant the wine. You need to uh, be able to explain it. You also need to be able to... Um, to uh, to treat with uh, you know with some you know um, unfriendly guests or customers or something like this and you need to be able uh, since it is very close to the to the actual life and hospitality you need to be able to switch very quickly so like in a restaurant a regular restaurant you need to answer at one table something about Chianti Classico, the next table is asking you something about Sake. The third table is asking you something about the wine law in Greece. So you need to be very quick with those things. Okay, now I think there is uh, the funny part of, the, this, um, of this, this session uh, that will help us to better understand the differences of the, um, uh, among the work, among the Uh, the goal of Master Sommelier and Master of Wine. So I will ask Caro and Elga to, uh, to approach the test, how they approach the testing in a Master of Wine format and uh, how Elga will approach the testing of uh, uh, Master Sommelier. You have both uh, a bottle of Framingham uh, Sauvignon Blanc from New Zealand, Marlboro, and uh, I will be happy to know How would you approach this? So, who want to start? I don't mind. So, please, okay. Elga. Okay, cool. So, how we start? Um, maybe our, our way of describing might be a little bit with um, maybe with some more markers concerning the fruit or the taste flavors because uh, of course our goal is always to pair the wine with the food so what we do we have a very strict system it starts uh, with the side so we always first consider the side of, of a wine so you do it best when you hold it like in the back of a uh, in front of a white sheet if you do it like this and then you would consider with a wine like this I would say it's a bright uh, pale straw and has uh, some slightly greenish hues, maybe a tiny little bit CO2 in it. So this gives you already an indication um, about the age uh, of the wine and uh, about the climate, maybe about the bottling as well. So with a color like this, I would estimate it's more or less a young wine coming from a slightly cooler region. 
maybe under screw cap because of the slightly CO2 in it. Then you go to the nose for the nose assessment. And the first thing is always that you assess, um, again, whether it's clean, a little bit uh, about the age and intensity. So the first thing would be, I would say, yes, it's clean. It's a young wine, a young impression I get from this wine because it's a very lively fruit. And in terms of the um, intensity, I would say it's rather a high intensity because I get lots of flavors from this uh, from this wine. And then we follow like a so you you need to set up a structure for yourself so which is convenient for you. But for me, I always do it like I first check the flavors on citric notes, then on um, like citrus fruits. Then I go to stone fruit. I go to uh, orchard fruit. I follow then for exotic flavors, uh, for flowers, for herbs, uh, maybe for wood indication as well, and then later on as well for the minerality. So this would be the steps on the nose. So and like this, I would say it. I have white. Uh, I have white grapefruit. I have also notes of guave, uh, which is more the exotic part. I have notes of elderberry flowers going to the flowers, but also like um, then with the herbs like uh, lemon balm, also some veggie notes like uh, jalapenos, also a bit of green asparagus, so a little bit of this punchy notes as well. The soil, I think, is more delicate. You get a little bit of the stony soil, but it's not as as impressive uh, as you get it maybe from the Loire Valley, where you really have the stones and the dust in it, so it's more more subtle, the whole thing. And then I get from the nose uh, some uh, notes of the vinification as well. So I get some uh, leasy, yeasty notes, which might uh, indicate some, some batonnage or some aging on the lease as well. And I get a slightly wooden impact with a very slight vanilla flavor. So th this would be the, the description of the nose. Then I go on with the palette. With the palette, I do it personally that I go first for the structure like acidity, alcohol, etc. Then I go again for the flavors. I check whether I have like repeating flavors or whether there are additional ones. I also go for the um, for the minerality, of course, for the wood again, for the um, for all those aspects I also covered uh, already covered in the nose. Then I go to my uh, initial, uh, yeah, initial conclusion where I say, okay, it might be this or that area or grape variety, and then I go to the final conclusion. So, going back to the palate, I would say again, it's a clean wine with a high acidity, medium body, medium alcohol, so around 30 degrees. Let me check so I don't explain something. Yeah, 30 degrees, nice. And I also get a subtle structure coming, um, so I, I get a tiny little bit of phenolic bitterness. So this might indicate that this wine was aged maybe partly on the with some skin contact or um, a, a tiny bit of whole cluster pressing here as well, because it gives you the structure on the palate, with, uh, which reminds you a little bit with uh, notes of almonds. And then again, I think the... Um, 
the, the notes are confirmed. I had in the nose, like the guava and a little bit of this lemon balm. But I think it's now more earthy. I get a golden kiwi with it. Also some nettles, a little bit more, this greeny touch. Um, in the finish, I think more the, um, the creaminess, which indicates some wood aging, but not too much. Only partly for it to give it some structure and some length and some um, yeah, complexity as well. You have to go on. It's, it's, it's quite, a, quite, quite a long, long testing. <laughs> yeah, I rush. So, so, and then I say, okay, still this green, fresh flavor stuff. And I would say, okay, it's a cool climate. It's definitely uh, new world style. Uh, it's a young wine, roughly between one and three years old. And then I eliminate all the, all the areas that can't be. So it can't be, in my impression, like, for instance, South Africa, because this would be a bit more austere. Chile would be a bit more on the minty, fresh style. California, where it grows, would maybe a little bit uh, more on the on the woody side as well. Yes. It can't be old world because it would be more um, more earth in it. So I would go say I would go and say it's a classic New Zealand uh, Sauvignon Blanc from Marlborough region. This is my approach, and we have to do it like this with six wines within 25 minutes. <laughs> You're taking your total time now. Yes. <laughs> <coughs> Sorry. And Caro, which uh, which will be your focus as uh, NW testing? I have to be short now because in our exam we would have ten minutes per wine. Uh, let yeah. me just—we uh, usually don't do it like this. We don't get a class. That's for me the circus pony uh, number when when I get a class and say, say, "Tell me what wine this is." We get actually questions. Like for a wine like this, we would get um, the questions, uh, identify the grape variety, identify the origin, identify the winemaking quality, and um, state the maturity of wine. What Helga has done is a description. And at the end, she draws a short conclusion. For us, this is not valid at all. My description would be very short. If I would take the glass like this, I would say passion, lemon fruit, nettle. That's it. This is already, you know, this is, for me, this is the typical aroma for Sauvignon Blanc. I'm not, you know, I'm not coming up with Coave and whatever and, and so on. Three descriptors, that's it. And then I go on and I would say, what makes it Sauvignon Blanc? High vivid acidity, medium body, lack of obvious oak, which is so common for Sauvignon Blanc, lack of residual sugar, dry wine, and... Um, Alcohol, maybe it's in the 13s or coming from a warmer region. And then it's asking about the region, clearly Marlborough or New Zealand. Um, Marlborough for being so um, expressive, to being mm -hmm. so generous. It's a useful wine with green flavor notes, typical for Marlborough. The pH level might be 3.2. Um, um, the crisp acidity, the crispiness of the acidity, the palate weight, and uh, this would probably bring me to Marlborough. Also, the generosity in the, uh, expressing the fruit, which is a typical New World style, which is actually a typical Marlborough style. It's too overt for being classical uh, old world. Um, it's this uh, mixture of passion fruit on the one hand side and uh, queen stuff on the other side, which is so typical for Marlborough. And um, yeah, just to shorten it a little bit, because I know we are tight in time. Um, we were discussing winemaking. I was asked about winemaking, no overt uh, new oak. 
um, the creaminess points out to some some uh, uh, to malolactic fermentation. Um, maybe the the phenolic uh, composition uh, points to some some short pre-fermentation maturation. Uh, the expressive clear fruit, such as cool fermentation, uh, possibly with aroma fixing yeast. Um, this is Marlboro, and then what what else? I, I made my notes: quality and state of maturity. It's a young wine, um, showing no tertiary character. Um, and um, quality is higher than uh, high volume, so it might be from a single estate and um, things like that. So I only use every evidence and I draw a conclusion out of it. I'm never telling um, 10 things in one row. I use the aroma, that's it. I use the acidity and the conclusion. I use the alcohol, warmer climate, cooler climate. Mm -hmm. I use everything and I never use more than three evidences for drawing out one conclusion. And to be very honest, um, I'm a very um, generous person in describing wines for other people because there is no guaf in this wine. There is no, uh, um, there is actually no nettle in this wine, no asparagus in this wine. There's no lemon or no passion fruit in this wine. So mm -hmm. what Helga describes, I think it's absolutely valid but some people do it with uh, the with different descriptors. As long as they end up with the right conclusion, I I'm very um, I accept a lot of describing things. Mm -hmm. I think there is it's nothing like this in a wine. Right. So this is the difference between it. So we are analyzing a wine and we're not describing a wine. We are drawing conclusions, and this description is just a minor part. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I think in a part you are right, but I think in a in a way of describing, it's an analytic analytic way of describing that we do as well. Because it's funny with the guave, because I was never never happy with this guave when I was first starting tasting, and all my Asian colleagues they were talking about guave. I couldn't understand it because I said, "Oh, what bloody hell, guave! How does it taste like?" So what did I do? I went and bought, uh, for instance, guava juice just to taste and to calibrate my nerves on this flavor that I was not so much used to than those guys. And for me today, it's really a flavor I only get in New Zealand wine or New Zealand uh, Sauvignon Blanc. I never get it in, in a Sancerre or something, never ever. Uh, but this was, yeah, you're getting maybe a little more, more markers or different markers that leads you to the, to the same uh, conclusion in a way, yeah. So thank you, it's both in, really interesting and different in a way, analytical, but also descriptive. And uh, uh, I wanted to make another um, question to you both before to pass to the audience, because at the end of the day, I think that people want to know uh, not only how difficult is the process, but also uh, uh, which are the paybacks once you reach the, the status. So, uh, Caro, did you get any career improvement or positive outcomes from this? Oh, yes, definitely. First of all, it pays back. All the fees, which are all the money I've invested, paid back within one year. So the investment was worth it. Let me put it this way. And the outcome is that 
Uh, funny thing is, I'm a journalist. I'm, I'm coming from the journalistic side, and it was the first time that people, you know, were asking me questions. So I became I became the object of interest. Um, yeah, um, you become not famous. You know, famous means only in the world of wine, on this little planet where people are talking about wine. But I'm well known in the little planet wine uh, when it comes to German wines so or in Germany. Um, and it helps you in getting jobs. It helps you in setting your career. There are new chances coming up to you. Uh, but honestly, the best about it is the people you meet, the contacts you've made, the friends you win during all that time. And I think it's not only, you should not only calculate by, by uh, the career outcome, but also mm. by the possibility of meeting people like you, Pedro, like Helga, and becoming friends uh, with you guys. And I think this was the best outcome, is the network I built mm. up during my study time and afterwards. And I must say, was it worth it? Again, I repeat myself, yes, absolutely. And uh, for Elga, how the Master Sommelier has changed your life? And if you would recommend this to, uh, to appear? Yeah, I, so I would also really recommend it because I think as well, it really pays off in so many ways. So, um, so you can, of, of course, you will have the opportunity to choose from, from different shops. So, the uh, the variety is just larger, the, is broader. The offer you get is just broader as well, and uh, so it opens many doors. And yeah, but I say as well, one of the of the biggest uh, gainings, big, biggest awards I had personally was really um, to see that uh, yeah, it, it helps to grow yourself. I really definitely think you're becoming a better person uh, because you get all these connections. You, um, yeah, you really learn as well a lot about yourself. And um, yeah, but then, of course, it gives you lots of good uh, career uh, chances like all over the planet as well. Okay. But I would definitely recommend it because it is hard, it is tough, but it really pays off in, in many, many ways. So now we have a question from the audience. Uh, so the question uh, has for if each institute, if both institutes ask you to uh, refresh your knowledge once you pass. Uh, so if you refresh frequently your knowledge, if, uh, if they ask you this, uh, like a lawyer or like a medician, uh, if they need to be trained uh, uh, year by year, or uh, once you are in the with this uh, title, I can in a way uh, reply. My impression is that uh, you are at such a high standard that you need to be always uh, up to date, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, maybe you can give you can give us uh, your impression on that. So I think it's it's absolutely necessary that you refresh it by yourself, the knowledge, not because you are asked to do it, because you yourself want to do it. It's not like gaining the title and then bam, that's it. I will sit down and never do anything again. No, on the contrary, because Kao uh, as well, you are also, you are a mentor for people. I'm I'm a mentor for for sommeliers who who going on the on the path of the of the MS, and it's crucial 
to be up to date and you want to be up to date, of course, because it's you didn't do it just for the title because you did it out of a passion. Otherwise, you can't do it. And um, then, of course, maybe I'm not able, you know, like one of these guys who is sitting now the exams for the master sommeliers to repeat like out of out of nowhere, like all the ABAs from California. Maybe I'm not too fresh in this at the moment because I'm not into the training. But uh, definitely, I think it's absolutely necessary that you stay up to date with all the developments. You know, it's it's yeah, it's yeah, it's crucial, I think. Uh, we do have actually um, so many sessions which are offered to MWs and which are attended by MWs. It's everything which is update, like uh, sustainability, uh, wines from everywhere in the world, situations or current problems, current topics from the world. They're offered by the Institute to everyone, number one. Number two is, yeah, Helga mentioned something. The best to stay updated is actually becoming a mentor for students. And Pietro, mm -hmm. when you're marking papers from students still preparing for the exam, mm -hmm. I think they, I learn. I learn by um, helping students. I learn by um, mm -hmm. giving feedback to students. And um, I think this is actually the, the best way to learn and the nicest way to learn and yeah. to stay updated. Uh, but we have to stay updated. I think s someone who leans back and relaxes and says, I'm, I have the title now, I'm not doing anything anymore, will be out of the business within mm -hmm. a very short True. time. Because um, I think there's movement every day. And like Helga, I was one of the, well, let me put it, more yeah, older ones doing the title. And for me, the biggest luxury, which I realized in life, is learning. And um, the MW gave me the chance to learn, to study, to move forward, not to stagnate. And I think this became one of the goals in my life, to learn every day a little bit, something new, um, yeah. something new about the world of wine. And I think this will never, ever end. Thank you, Caro and, uh, and Erga, for your impression. And I'm so sorry, we have just finished the time uh, available. Uh, there was such an um, interesting and uh, educational session with, uh, with two German uh, speakers, uh, one MW and one Master Sommelier, that uh, have um, discussed with us how to reach these titles and uh, what, what does this mean exactly. I think this is only uh, the peak of the iceberg of such... Uh, um, such important letters, such important credential. Uh, so if you want to deepen more inside uh, this, uh, this world, both world, the Master of Wine and Master Sommelier, you can uh, get information on both of the websites and uh, or you can probably ask uh, the, our speakers. And uh, thank you again, Caro and Elga for, for being with us. And thank you to the audience. Thank, thank you very you much. Yeah, thank you. And thank you for moderating, Pietro. It was great to see you again. And uh, if, there are any, if there are any questions, uh, I think everyone can share them with us. And uh, we're not running away. And even if uh, we are switched off, uh, just an email or contact through Wine to Wine, you'll find us. Yeah, just feel free to contact us and then it's absolutely fine. We're happy to answer. And thank you for the moderation as well, Pietro. Thank you. 
Listen to the Italian Wine Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We're on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Himalaya FM, and more. Don't forget to subscribe and rate the show. If you enjoy listening, please consider donating through italianwinepodcast.com. Any amount helps cover equipment, production, and publication costs. Until next time, cin cin.